Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Health Coach Lou, and you're listening to the Smart Talk Podcast. You're going to hear specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and right-on-time health and wellness conversations. Enjoy! Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Smart Talk podcast. Uh, I got a special guest in the building today. We got uh, Joel Shoplin, behavior change or behavior health specialist. So, hey, man, thanks for uh, sitting down with me today and, and, and talking. Hey, Corey. Yeah, it's great to be here. Great, man. So, you know, typically, you know, what I do is, as always, you know, I like to uh, start off with, you know, having just tell us a little bit about about your story, how, how you started and, and where you're at now. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm from the UK, as you can probably tell from my accent, uh, I studied, um, sports science, uh, at university in Brunel university, London. Um, and then I went on to do a master's in sport and exercise psychology. And I guess that was, even though I didn't know it at the time, my kind of early gateway into behavior change, because where from a sport and exercise psychology perspective, you might not necessarily reference the term behavior change, all the kind right. of theory and application that you're doing is geared around changing people's behavior, you know, whether that's in a sporting context or an exercise and health physical activity context so that's been really interesting for me now to kind of reflect back and look at that time um i actually so i I, i'm also a drummer um and when i was at uni i had the privilege of working with professor costas karajorgis who's kind of the world leading expert in how music impacts people in sport and exercise so for me it was amazing just to combine those two passions and study it and apply it and research it Um, and that led me into kind of working with technology companies and applying the science to kind of digital interventions and um, product and content and I guess that was where I then started to apply more of my knowledge around exercise psychology to those kind of digital environments and working with startups. So that was then really when the whole area of behavior change opened up and I started to kind of become more um, focused in on that because there was such a huge opportunity really. Um, So then I started working on a couple of projects um, in the UK, which were more behavior change focused and pretty much for the last three years, I'd say, I've just tried to be a real student of behavioral science, behavior change, um, trying to just understand much more about it and apply it um, wherever I can, really. Right. And, and I mean, so, so kind of tell me, because I'm, now I'm really curious. So, you know, you worked with a lot of um, digital startups, like like yeah. you said. How, yeah. do you, how does someone, you know, how do you go about applying behavior change? Because for, for, for me, you know, in, in what I do, you know, a lot of my behavior change um, strategies, you know, I'm doing them 
in person. I'm talking to, sure. to the person um, and, and we're applying that. How do you apply that in a, in a digital platform so someone can, um, you know, use that and the, then apply that to their life? Mm. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point. Um, and it's definitely something I'm still on a journey of discovering because like you said, on an individual level, you might, you know, processes and approaches like motivational interviewing, you know, health coaching models are extremely effective. And you can, while you can build those sorts of things into a digital product, you know, for a, for an AI platform, you know, a chatbot, for example, right. Um, when you're working on actually a product or an app, you know, you do need other theories um, and perspectives to help with that. So I think one thing I find or I have found quite effective is when um, it depends a lot on context, right? Because different apps will try to solve different problems and different behaviors. Um, so I think the, the more you can kind of really specify the end goal or where you want to end up and then what behaviors kind of link to that is really um, important because then you can start to you know work in which which theories which principles are going to really help me understand this area and enable this behavior to happen and then so often with companies what I've done is you know explained just gone through a theory with them whether it be you know self-determination theory discussing kind of motivation um, right and then kind of just ideate around that theory you know like what aspects of our platform support this um where could we learn and grow um i found that quite helpful but then as i'm sure we'll get into in the conversation kind of helping them understand and apply some of the more science around behavior change um and like habit formation perhaps is is useful particularly in the digital environment um but what i will say is i think it's definitely a a new space, um, a new emerging field. And um, I think it's a challenge, you know, to get people to adhere to digital intervention for a long period of time that will create lasting change, you know, is, is a challenge, particularly in yeah. like a health and physical activity context. Um, but, you know, it's an exciting space to be in, I think. Absolutely, especially with the climate that the yeah. that we're in now, you see a lot of um, yeah. platforms going digital or going virtual. So yeah, for sure, you're going to be seeing a lot more of that. You know, um, trying to apply those behavior change um, yeah. strategies into into more platforms. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree with you. And it's also causing a lot of companies to think completely differently where their modus of delivery previously would have been, you know, in person and suddenly they're having to go online, which creates a whole different series of behavior change, you know, barriers and behavioral design issues. So it's, it's fascinating watching this unfold, I think. Yeah. So the kind of a piggyback off what you said earlier, um, as far as, you know, implementing strategies, yeah. uh, I kind of want, I do want to kind of talk about the, the science behind behavior yeah, change. Sure. Um, what, uh, what factors do you believe have to be present for someone to want to make a change? Hmm. Yeah. 
Good. Um, and, you know, what I will say before I go into it, I think it's important that we do understand the science, um, you know, about how we behave because we all have our own theories, you know, about how we behave, what we see others do. Right. And so naturally we all make our own assumptions, you know, just about how behavior works, you know, and so we off, we can take those assumptions into designing products. So I think it's useful to take a step back sometimes and just actually help people from different disciplines, different backgrounds understand, you know, the, the science of behavior change, because there is a, a systematic, you know, method available to us. Um, so, you know, we can go through a couple of models, which I think are, are useful. Um, and I'm sure there's more out there. But um, so one of the ones that's kind of been rooted in the UK, which is gaining a lot of traction over the last sort of five to 10 years, is the, the Combi model, um, which recognizes that for any behavior to occur, you need the capability, which is both um, psychological, so understanding you know, the kind of monitoring aspect of, of behavior psychologically, the the physical, so actually having the capability to physically or mentally do something. Um, the opportunity, which is both social, kind of our social influences and relationships, and physical, so, you know, how an environment is structured, the kind of context that someone's in. Um, and then lastly, motivation, which um, is categorized as reflective, which is kind of our conscious thinking patterns around beliefs, plans, um, attitudes, that kind of thing, versus automatic, which is very much, you know, our kind of impulse, emotional responses and drives to behaviors, which, um, you know, when we do habits, they're often aut automatic, even though when they start, they're more psychological because you're processing what you're doing uh, anyway so that that is a really useful model because it's very comprehensive and that comes from the behavior change wheel framework again um, developed from uh, university college london which gives a really systematic approach to designing and developing and evaluating behavior change interventions you can pretty much follow that from scratch to finish um and the combi model is kind of essential to that in identifying what might need to change in a given context. Um, so if I just throw some other ones out there, so obviously um, BJ Fogg's behavior change model, which a lot of people know about, it's similar to the combi model with some subtle differences, you know, and he would say that in order for a behavior to happen, the kind of relationship between motivation and ability needs to be balanced and then there needs to be that prompt in place for something to then um you know go over the action line in order for that behavior to happen and then i'm just going through his new book actually tiny habits it's a great read yeah I, I was actually yeah about to talk about that yeah um and just you know his process of taking a habit making it tiny and nurturing it so I think those two models probably would suffice for most people looking at a behavior change intervention, depending on the context. Um, I think for me, the FOG model is perhaps better in an individual context, whereas perhaps the COMBI model and the behavior change wheel um, is most effective at like a, a public health kind of uh, 
big scale intervention where you're trying to you know create something that will change a lot of people's behaviors and kind of create effective structures and systems but you know it's equally effective on an individual if you're thinking about what needs to change and just using the combi model Um, and the last one i'll just throw out there which i think is good to use in conjunction with those would be say the stages of change model um, or trans theoretical model but particularly the kind of stages of change talking about when people are at different stages of a given behavior. Absolutely. Um, but so I think it, it all comes down to what the problem is, you know, the context and which model is going to be the best fit for, for the context. But, um, you know, I'm still learning, I'm still learning about how, how to do this stuff well and effectively. So it's, it's, you know, it's always a learning curve, isn't it? it absolutely. But, but the, the, I guess the exciting thing or the, it is all these different models or just different tools you can use. Yeah. You know what I mean? To because everybody's different. So that's Absolutely, what that's what kind yeah. of intrigues me, especially you know, when working with with companies. You know, one one thing will work for a certain population of people in within that company, yeah. but may not work yeah. for another, you know, group of people within that company. Yeah. So it's yeah, um so I mean it's it's interesting to, you know, is there you know, what are your thoughts on this? Is, is there a way to take all these different strategies? And and um, and I know you've done the octalysis uh, framework, uh, yeah. right? Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, in in gamification is, I mean, it's it's a it's a form of you know, it's a tool for behavior change. You know yeah, what I mean? And, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So there's a way of taking all these different tools and applying them to a group of people that are all different mm. wow yeah um it's it's a it's almost like an ocean of possibility isn't it but yeah i think um where i'm currently at you know which which may well change um as i go through my career and learn more i think that the behavior change wheel asks some really good questions around understanding behavior and Mm. understanding the wider context so looking also at like competing behaviors that might be at work and trying to really understand the system there's something called behavioral systems mapping which is a really interesting thing just around mapping out all of the different you know actors um, stakeholders you know their influences and all, all the different behaviors that are kind of going on um so i think once you've drilled down you know what what the problem is kind of really explored that which can be informed you know by lots of different research and data collection it really helps to kind of specify the behavior that needs changing so thinking about you know who what where when how why getting as specific as possible um and then once you've done that i think when you look at what needs to change in order for that you know behavior to happen you can use for example the combi model to kind of outline you know what some of the barriers might be the key barriers for those key stakeholders um perhaps the fog model there would be interesting to explore about what is the current climate of people's you know motivation and ability um and the kind of necessary prompts that are or aren't in place Okay, awesome. So, you know, a question that I, that I have, Joel, 
in regards to behavior change, you know, specifically specifically for people who are at home right now, who are still trying to, you know, get their keep their health back, uh, keep their health in check. And yet, granted, things here in the States are starting to get a little bit back to normal. Um, I don't know how things are in the UK, but people are still at home. A lot of companies are just making them, keeping them at home for the remainder of the year. So they're they're relying on a lot more digital health applications, a lot more virtual applications um, for their for their health and well-being, mental health, you name it. What are some things that they can do in, in regards to behavior change habits? What are some things that those people can do to maintain their health, you know, using, you know, using digital health? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's a great question. I think kind of digital health um, apps and whatever are effective if they almost support the change that you want to see. So I think some of the times the problem comes where the app necessarily isn't aligned with the behavioral goal. Um, and also sometimes apps don't support, you know, some of the behavior change principles we've talked about. And so they'll sometimes try to get people to do something too quickly. Um, I think the kind of the BJ Fogg tiny habits stuff is fascinating, really, just in terms of starting real small you know, not trying to make wholesale changes all at once because I think that's where it's unsustainable, isn't it? Because right, you try and you try and you know go from doing very little walking, say for example, every day, and then suddenly doing like smashing the ten thousand steps. But then, because you almost haven't built up that practice and habitual process, right. you go from zero to uh, to everything and then you crash it's like diets i guess the same when suddenly you cut all of these things out of your diet but then it's unsustainable because your body actually craves the things that is missing so right yep i appreciate it doesn't necessarily answer the question but i think certainly starting real small is is just a really simple thing making it as easy as possible to do the behavior in line with you know uh, bj's model creating like a regular occurrence in your day for it to happen you know people often talk about the habit before the habit so you know after you finish lunch every day you'll do half an hour of reading you know or 10 minutes of reading you know um so there's stuff like that which is useful i think typically you know if we look at behavior change um, apps or digital health apps there's, there's a lot of common features you know whether it's goal setting then monitoring so tracking um, what you're doing um, having social support in place um, building up over time as you get more confident you know like pr- setting prompting you know having prompts priming your environment so I think all those things are well and good it's just what, what is right for that individual so I think one of the questions I it's just good to explore with someone is, you know, what are the the barriers, you know, what's stopping you do this behavior that you want to and just trying to understand what are some of those things that are in the way, what are those blockers and then how can you mitigate that? Um, so, you know, whether it's drinking too much alcohol, um, just the habit that leads to that is actually buying less, <laughs> you know, right, not, right. Not, not buying any or buying less or having, 
controlled kind of processes of, of, of trying to do it um or you know doing sort of if if and then plans so how you overcome right. obstacles that come my way um so if this happens you know if i do end up you know drinking one too many glasses of wine or having that dessert or like not going out for a run one day or whatever then then how are you gonna overcome that i think sometimes you've got to be kind to ourselves and try and come up with a sustainable system you know starting small trying to build it in at the same time and rhythm every day you know you might do some small wins and positive reinforcements and celebrations after you've done that tiny tiny habit so yeah i guess yeah. There's, there's lots of things there really which which are helpful it's just i think it, Absolutely. it is hard I think to sustain there's no doubt about that but it is possible as well yeah i mean the the more the more and more i talk to professionals like yourself and the more i start to see this in my in my own uh, patients that I see for whether it's for you know diabetes prevention or yeah. weight loss management things like that is our convert the more I learn about behavior change right so I mean mm. constantly learning and, and there's so much to learn yeah. um, the more I learn about it these people are coming to you know these people want they have a goal I want to lose weight or I need to, you know, stop doing X, Y, and Z, but everything that they need to do first has nothing to do with their goal. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. Does that does that make sense? Like, um, just yeah. to give you an example, I had a patient just yesterday. So um, I actually posted a screenshot of her email that she sent me. You know, she's she's kind of stopped and started for years before she even seen me but it's like you know she'd start doing something she, and then she'd quit she'd start you know um doing something she'd lose a little bit of weight then she'd give up you know uh diabetes out of control all all these things were going on you know when i first start seeing her it was a typical well let's let's do this change with your diet you know let's 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 start you know just walking around the neighborhood the the typical health coach yeah. things like you know yeah, it wasn't yeah. really anything crazy and then she emailed me and I'm like okay I need to change my perspective on this and I had her in my office yesterday and she she was just talking 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 about how you know you know all these different things that were going on in her life and it just kind of clicked with me like we need to figure some things out before we even discuss your diet <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so literally the, the goal for her was, you know, we, we started a daily, a morning routine built on affirmations and those type of goals to build her up positively. And we're just going to focus on that for a few weeks or a month That's awesome. because, you know, and, and, and my theory is, and, and if, if we just start there and just, Hey, how can we start your morning off? where you're not automatically in a a poor mood mm. the other the the diet's going to change the 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 motivation to want to exercise will be there that's just my theory and the you could just tell like there was this huge weight lifted off her back that we weren't talking about what she's eat because it's 2020 you know what i mean joel like people people know like i, I don't have to say hey 
you should eat more vegetables and less yeah, candy. Yeah, sure. Well, duh. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's so much information out there. People, people know, people understand what's right and wrong, but they don't understand why they can't do it. And that's the part of behavior change that is so intriguing to me is that, especially now, there is so much information. You can go, if you have an idea or if you have a curiosity about a cer- certain meal plan or an exercise routine or what this or that, when it comes to, when it comes, you know, specifically talking about your, your health and well being, yeah. it's right there. Why can't people do it? What's keeping them from, they, they know logically, know in their mind that they need to be doing something different, mm. but what's, why are they stuck? So that's so intriguing to me when it comes to behavior change. I, I'm just, I'm curious on what your point of view is on this because, you know, especially working with, you know, having the, you know, the, the background and, and, and exercise, like, I don't know if you ever had that experience where you maybe worked with someone, an athlete, or even yourself, you know, knowing what you need to do or knowing what is out there, but how how does someone make it click to where mm-hmm. they can start making those tiny habits as you know BJ mm-hmm. Fogg says in the book and yeah. having that epiphany you, you know what i mean to to make that change yeah i think it's the example you gave is really interesting just around you know what it sounded like is you you just took time to understand some of the wider context that she was in yeah and actually by changing some of those kind of competing behaviors it reduces the strain on the diet, you know, perhaps, um, which I think is a really interesting thing, just thinking about someone's wider system that that, that they're in. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, it is, it's incredibly difficult. There's no, there's no doubt about it, but it is possible. And I do think just, just starting small is, is incredibly good. Just thinking about, I mean, even in my own life, you know, sometimes you know, I love being fit and healthy, but there's sometimes when I want to work out and I'm like, I just can't be bothered, you know, to do like, a, <laughs> right. uh, you know, uh, something on the Les Mills app or one of the other apps I've got, you know, they're great workouts, but sometimes you're just like, I just can't be asked. But I think sometimes reducing the kind of the bar to, you know, could I just do 10 squats right now? You know, of course I can. So, you know, just do your 10 squats and then suddenly you're into it or just thinking, you know, I'll just do like, instead of doing a 45 minute workout, I'll just try and do, you know, four rounds of, you know, push-ups, burpees, squats and, you know, planks or, or whatever it is. You know, I think sometimes that helps me just to lower the bar because, you know, sometimes motivation is lower, but I've actually I've still done something, and I've still made some positive um, changes. <clears throat> um, I think an, an interesting thing. There's a researcher called Michelle Seeger who talks about the why, and she talks about having where, where things, you know, physical activity can become like a chore, and you feel like you should do it. And then you end up failing. And then, you know, the, the wrong why, as she would suggest, is stuff like you're getting better weight, getting better health, having better right. numbers, you know, 
having lower cholesterol, diabetes, um, and in 20 years from now, I'll, I'll be this. But then she talks about having the right why and thinking about things like fun, energy, mood, focus, connecting with others, and just trying to get people to see that, you know, being active is a gift that we have. You know, it, you might not enjoy it, but what do you enjoy? There's always, I think there's always something that people enjoy doing you know, making food a bit more fun or, you know, learning more healthy recipes or, you know, there is a, what she calls a successful cycle of motivation and getting those kind of immediate rewards for someone who's struggling, I think is key. But yeah, I think what you said about just a case by case basis, it really is about understanding the individual individual and not prescribing a one size fits all model because i think that's often the approach that some kind of health and wellness programs take is they just assume people will sign up and you know be a slave to their process which worked on on one person but then it's actually an unsustainable program so hey you know i think i've i probably had less experience working with individuals you know, in a one-to-one kind of health coaching setting. Those are some of the things that I might explore. No, that's, that's very good. You know, I, I think that's where employee wellness kind of gets a, gets a bad kind of rep is that there's these programs okay. that yeah. are one size fits all. That's not the case. So what, what typically happens is the most active people in the programs are those that are already active, but you're missing all those people yeah. that aren't very active or that actually need the most help. You, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that's where that kind of, and I don't know if you've done anything with the employee wellness or things like that, but that's kind of my, where my thought goes is like, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like there's not, this is, is so it can be so cookie cutter. And I think a lot of companies are are changing that. I I, I hope. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't been in that mm. I haven't been in that industry for a long time now. But okay. just so just based off of my my experience then, you know, it was we had a program that was for everybody. <laughs> you know, it, so <laughs> it was even if like someone like you, Joel, if if you, you know, work out, you know, not, you know, Every, all your you know health markers were were positive and good. This was the program, and it was like, well, yeah. if it, didn't re- it might not really benefited you. Like, why do I need a health coach? Mm. Well, that's the that's the program. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, mm. well, that's not that's not helping anybody. Or even you know, there may be some wellness challenges where the goal is to walk ten thousand steps every day. Whoever hits the most steps wins well if you're not if you're already not very active you don't really care about that challenge like you're like Mm. i'm not all the people who are already active are killing it and you're like i'm just here (laughs) with my two thousand steps a day (laughs) yeah Yeah. there's there's no point so yeah that's that's my little rant on that it's it's funny because behavior change is such a vital part of what i do what you do and there are so there is just such there's so many different points of views on it. All I feel like all are great things, all great positive things. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it just depends on the person. And, and my question is, you know, and you don't got to answer that right now, but just my my 
question as I'm thinking about all this is how can you put all those different models, even though some of them kind of um, are pretty similar to each other, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But with some with some minor differences, how can you put them all together to make them all work? Um, you know what I mean? Like that's that's interesting to me because especially working with larger groups and larger populations to change, you know, with ha- having one goal of you know overall health and well being for a uh, big population, regardless if it's, if it's in you know a startup or yeah. um, working on a digital platform. You know, how can you take that one digital platform where multiple different people, multiple people will be using with different backgrounds and um, at different stages of change and make it work for everybody? Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I'll just pick up on one thing you said. I think that is potentially, you know, not in all cases, but sometimes part of the problem because you get these platforms and interventions that try to be all things to all people and try to solve you know 10 different problems for everyone in different stages and then they're surprised why they don't work and so i think you know rather than trying to do that just start small you know don't try and create massive changes start with small changes for a specific groups of people or don't try and conquer too much too soon because i think that's why things go wrong and that's why people don't know that things are going wrong because it's too hard to pinpoint so my advice there would just be you know really think about who it is again if it's in a if it's a population level kind of study drilling it down into a specific subgroup and then building on that rather than trying to do everything at once which is the tempting thing to do but that kind of slow and steady wins the race i think is really key um because we naturally live in like a move fast culture don't we especially with startups i see this a lot we just want to conquer everything and move really quickly but i think behavioral science and behavior change doesn't work like that it's a you know it's a slow process over time and apps especially need to be built more to reflect that. And then for any individuals out there, you know, it's recognizing that it takes time. It's not this quick fix, you know, it's, it is a, it's a journey, but then you will see progress if you, you know, regularly adhere to to doing things that are easy, attainable, you know, that you enjoy. I think it's really important. Yeah. You said something that was something that I even had to, figure out myself and I'm just figuring it out. You said behavior change is, is a, is a pro as a slower process. And that's what I'm starting to learn more and more. And what you see with the, and what you see with a lot of startups, like you said, it's, we got to do it now, now, now. So what typically what you see as far as behavior change and, and again, and not all apps, I'm sure there are some, some great apps out there that, do behavior change really really well yeah but of course, yeah when you're trying to do things quickly it's you you do you do the, the fast you do the fast tools like the the most common ones in 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 apps are specifically gamification are you know badges leaderboards yeah. things yeah. like that which are overly used you, you know what i mean so it's like yeah these work we'll just we'll just add these to the app <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a I mean? classic isn't it yeah Yes. 
So what was it? Is is badges, leaderboards, and there was a third one. Points, is it? It's points. Points. Yeah. Yes. Points, badges, and leaderboards are some of the most commonly used yeah. gamification <laughs> tools in everything. And it's like, dude, are you are you guys are you guys listening? Are you guys like, yeah. <laughs> like are you, I remember so, um Yukai Chow, the, the Oxalysis author. Yeah, which, yeah. He said something re- really interesting just around um like if if you award someone a badge, it's gotta be for something meaningful. If you're awarded something, you've got to be prepared to tell someone else that you've won it rather than just like something really random like right that, that that's really quite meaningless but i think i think that's an interesting conversation to have around when you award those digital awards um like make it meaningful rather than just dishing them out yeah um, i remember but, i got a badge once i forgot what the app was but i got a <laughs> i got a badge for opening the app like <laughs> good job yeah <laughs> um, whereas if you got a badge for like I don't know, going through the level one or like the sign up process or I don't know, just something like more of a meaningful marker. It creates more of a, oh, cool. I feel good about what I just did. But again, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. It's all very well throwing all that stuff on it. But if if there's no real evidence that gamifying it in that way is going to help people there's no point doing it you know there's no right. point throwing lots of things at something if exactly you can trial it for sure but then it's all about thinking what what features if we're thinking digitally what content or practically you know how are we going to change the environment or you know what intervention is going to work best for that individual joel this is about the end of you know our our conversation today, we've been talking awesome. for about 40 minutes. Wow. Yeah, I want to, again, yeah, <laughs> right? It goes fast. You know, I, I, um, I know I keep saying like, man, like I, I need to start blocking more time because like the conversations I'm having have been so, so great. Like I, yeah. I end up, after I stop the podcast, and even having more of a conversation, <laughs> I'm like, man, I just need to just do like an hour, hour and a half. I just learned yeah. so much. So again, I want to thank you for, you know, taking the time out of your day no, to um, just kind of chop it up with me and with my, with the audience. No, it's awesome. Great to, great to be with you. And um, yeah, I look forward to catching up more. Absolutely. So, you know, before we go, what, where can uh, the people reach you at? If they want to get in touch with you or, you know, um, connect with you, where, where can they, where can they find you on social media? Um, best place probably is LinkedIn, to be honest. Um, just Joel Shopland. Not sure how many Joel Shoplands there are, but um, <laughs> yeah, he should be able to find me there. And um happy to, to, yeah, add you to awesome. my network and chat. I don't have a fancy website. Awesome. Or well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you need to get one of those soon. Yeah, I do, don't I? Yeah. Um, right. Well, yeah. Joel, again, thank you for your time. And um, this is the Smart Talk Podcast. I'll see you next time.